little town blues are melting away. I'll make a brand new start of it in old New York if I can. Part two of our Miraculous Ladybug special special. Yeah. A, an episode so long that we had to split it into two parts because we are physically incapable of cutting down any conversation about this show underneath an hour. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just get right into it. Uh, right where we left off. What? Hawk Moth's here. What? Whoa. That's... Whoa. Yeah. I didn't expect him to be here yeah. in New York and not Paris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a coincidence that everybody happens to be in New York today. Uh, he only sent let Adrian go on this trip because he didn't want Adrian to know he also would not be in Paris because he wanted to get uh, the miraculous that we now know is uh, like in this museum. It's a, a necklace that Lafayette gave to George Washington as a gift. It's a symbol of French-American friendship. And also a, a miraculous. It's very superpowered. <laughs> um, so he has found a American supervillain and has akumatized him, and has sent him after. A, he has sent him after something else in the museum just so that he could go into the museum and get the miraculous himself. Uh, not realizing that by sheer coincidence, Ladybug and Cat Noir are in this museum. <laughs> but but at the same time, this is happening. Paris is getting attacked. Yeah. So they transform, and, you know, they got their they got their uh, nice transformation sequences. And then Sparrow and Uncanny Valley, American teen superheroes, also transform. But did you notice that their transformations were just transformations? They, they didn't kick or spin or anything. They just, like, changed their clothes real yeah. quick. Dude, their transformation sequences are lame. Those guys are losers. <laughs> <laughs> Get on, get on Cat Noir and, Mir- and Miraculous Ladybug's level. <laughs> we Americans don't have time for any French, fancy French nonsense, okay? We need to put as much labor. We need to squeeze as much labor in 24 hours as we can. We don't have time for these transformation sequences. <laughs> um, so they transform, and uh, all of a sudden, all these superheroes are in the same room, and uh, Ladybug's like, hey, Cat Noir, why are you not protecting paris and i dig this because you know what's happening here Mm -hmm. an actual conflict based off of a mistake adrian made not cat noir i mean yes it was also cat noir but adrian like in his civilian persona made a a choice here like and yeah he was influenced by plague but he really did think that he could get away with pretending that he was in paris this whole time without telling ladybug and it was uh, a very genuine like that that was a that's a thing that a teen would absolutely do a mistake they would absolutely make yes and it had horrible repercussions and it like legitimate repercussions yeah. not like we can fix it repercussions <laughs> like i know that th- there is a point where we'll get to where uh i guess like the loss of life is a is a theme that comes up let's say um and I was looking at that like footage like in like while I was watching this and I was thinking there is definitely like at least one dead person in all that rubble <laughs> like somebody has died and no one can fix it. 
it's so much devastation. There are just buildings flattened. There's fires everywhere. Ugh. And it's all Adrian's fault. <laughs> it is. And like, okay, that that is... And yeah, that's a lot to put on a kid. But you know what? Mm-hmm. He... He made a mistake, and it's so cool to... I mean, it's not cool that Paris got destroyed, but it's cool that Adrian gets to be a character with flaws, which is he so often does yeah. not get to be. This is... I was happy that he took it so hard, too, because there are so many points in the series where he just acts completely perfectly and experiences no repercussions because he doesn't really screw up that much. But this is, like, a big one. And he, like internalizes it and he realizes that he really screwed up and i I dig that yeah we stand self-introspective men yeah (laughs) we do Uh, you know what he doesn't realize though and i am at the end of my goddamn rope here but everybody (laughs) their their class their, their, their class, the one group of high schoolers that all goes to school in the same neighborhood where all of these supervillain attacks exactly. happen are all on this strip. Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought the, this the up. The same week that they're all on the strip, Ladybug and Cat Noir show. And I get, I get that it's a superhero story and you have to accept the premise that no one recognizes them. But this straight up doesn't make sense. Uh, the fact that it wouldn't occur to any of them, oh hey, you're someone in my class, aren't you? The fact that that doesn't come up is yeah. mind-boggling. She asks him what he's doing there, and then he says, I'll explain later. Like, what are you doing in Paris? He says, I'll explain later, and then um, he doesn't. Ava, you just did it again. <laughs> you just did it again. I what? You did it again. They're not in Paris. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You, can you tell how tired I am? <laughs> we can't. Can you tell how wiped out I am? We, we can't wrap <laughs> our heads around the idea of a fish-out-of-water setting that takes place where we live. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm not able to process these kids outside of Paris. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I I do want to say in in good faith that just like I think that because it's obviously it's easy with the knowledge that I have to say isn't it obvious like like isn't it obvious that at least they are kids in this class wouldn't everybody know that at this point by that same logic mm-hmm. Hawk Moth showing up in New York this same week. I don't think for a second anyone would be like, obviously this is Adrian's dad. No, of course not. You know what I do think? They would they would think that he has a personal connection. Here's what I would think. I think that Hawk Moth suspect number one is Mrs. Mendeleev. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. That would have been such a great thing to explore, especially since that plot we mentioned in the last episode, that, like, the, the whole thing with her... Uh, being disliked by the students and kind of treating them badly and her being kind of not bitter but like hurt by it was completely dropped so she she did a little bit better on the planet i don't think we mentioned this because it like wasn't that important because the the thread is dropped again Mm -hmm. but uh she lets them like switch seats on the plane and stuff um because marinette uh fakes being (laughs) airsick so she doesn't have to sit next to adrian and deal with her feelings for him um she like she she bends the rules a bit and lets them change seats. Um, but other than that, there isn't really anything at all that like happens with that. That would have been such a good thing to expand on, where they think that she is Hawk Moth. That would have been so cool. Yeah, I guess, I guess there's also a possibility that because Gorilla Man, as we know, is I'm calling Gorilla Man. I don't know this man's name. 
Um, uh, I think his name just is Gorilla. Like, isn't that what? <laughs> oh, that can't be right. I I refuse to believe. Okay, Adrian's bodyguard. Adrian's bodyguard is the name of his wiki page. Other names, G or the gorilla. Okay, so he is the gorilla. <laughs> so I guess he's just gorilla. Okay, so... Which is super mean. Mm-hmm. Like, he... Like, I get it, you know, he kind of he kind of looks like a gorilla, but, like, people shouldn't say that to his face. Or behind his back, but, like... <laughs> uh, he, I guess, would also be a suspect because he's not on the field trip. He's, like, waiting back at the hotel this whole time meditating. Mm-hmm. So I guess he would also be a Hawk Moth suspect. I think Miss Mendeleeve, of all of the teachers on this trip, though, does best fit Hawk Moth's build. So I thought for a minute that that's yeah. where, that that was going to be that's something. That's a good point. Also her, like, purple uh, thing going oh. on, where, like, her hair is purple and stuff. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh my gosh, you just, like, uncovered the, like, best unused plot point that this special could have had. Yeah. <laughs> All these kids like thinking they, they already don't like this woman because she's kind of a, a, a strict teacher and now they, they have a reason to actually if, literally vilify her. Yeah, if just one of them was like, hey, what if she's Hawk Moth? They all would have jumped on it because they all don't like her. Mm-hmm. And then what if she was akumatized because of that, bro? <sighs> they all would have felt... <laughs> so bro, why aren't we writing miraculously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so they're, uh, they gotta fight American supervillains, um, and, okay, okay, uh, the next, ooh, okay, so the next note that I have here for myself is, is standalone, capital letters, the word, MURDER! (laughs) Yes, there is, there is, hey guys, uh, there is on-screen character death in this in this uh special granted the character is a robot so uh she does survive she's a robot with a heart of gold she's the cutest robot she's she is a robot with a personality she she has a family she has a life here she has people that she loves unconditionally this is a person in a robot's like body basically like it is this is this is a full person and adrian murders her on accident (laughs) which on top of his already horrible mistake must just be the worst feeling on earth oh yeah uh i think it's safe to say adrian is not going to be the same after this trip Yes. When I texted you and told you that, um, because before I started watching the, the, the special, I texted you and told you, like, hey, people are uploading, uh, like, different scenes from the from the special onto YouTube, and I'm really hoping that the titles of these videos are accurate and correct, because if they are, this special is going to be absolutely wild, and the one that made me send you that was one where it was Adrian kills someone, or something like that, and I was like... <laughs> No way. Yeah, it's like no, he really does. Uh huh. Uncanny, Uncanny Valley, and and Sparrow are talking about how much they admire Ladybug and Cat Noir, and how they're they're these teens that don't have adults looking out for them, and they're this cogent, like yeah. competent, uh, like superhero duo. They, and then yeah, they don't have uh like rules and regulations like surrounding their actions because there isn't as many superheroes in France as there are in America. So. 
they don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, and, like, they're talking about how much they admire this duo and how they want to be just like them. And, in fact, the Sparrow decides, like, not to call the adult superheroes because they want to prove that they can handle this themselves like them. And then in the, the next breath, Adrian the cat, turns on his cataclysm, trips... And is about to actually kill Marionette. And uh, yeah, she—he's about to kill Marionette. And uh, and the what is her name? Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley steps in front of Marionette, knowing full well that she is going to die by doing this, and takes the blow. And her, <laughs> she just dies. And oh my gosh! And then her mom shows up and is like crying over her daughter's dead body. Yeah, her, her mom, like her mom, who is you know a Superman, oh Captain Marvel figure. I think I think the implication is that she like hears or like can sense that her daughter just died, and she you just hear her scream from miles away, and she comes like flying towards them, and like, I'm, I'm assuming that it's like a Tony Stark sort of thing where it's like this because I mean I I think that like she created the AI. And it's now basically like a part of her family. Yeah. So she probably has like an alert, like, "Oh, hey, something is happening to your daughter." <laughs> uh, this like computer program that you have created and is now is now a part of your family uh, that we can keep tabs on. Yeah, and like and um, like it doesn't what what they do here doesn't quite make sense logistically, but is definitely just you know to take another dig at Adrian and Marionette, which is as she's like lying mm-hmm. there dead, she reverts back to her civilian human form, so she's just a human girl lying there dead yeah the adults that the two adults uh the lesbian couple whom we love and stan (laughs) um the captain marvel and owl uh characters they are like hey you guys like need to give us your sources of power uh because you are not mature enough to like handle situations like this you can have it back when you go back to paris um but like you guys are not like you this is not okay like you need to like, let us handle this and figure out what's going on ourselves because mm-hmm. you guys are too irresponsible for this. Which is, hey, completely valid. Yeah, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Because what happened was Uncanny Valley, thank goodness, is is revived. She comes back to life because Marionette has her lucky charm. All she has to do is she throws it up into the air. Miraculous Ladybug. Everything goes back to normal. And, like, we learn a little bit in the special more logistically about how that works. And so Uncanny Valley is revived. All the damage is undone. And, like, of course the adults are still, hey, you messed up. And Marionette's like, uh, but, but we fixed it. And what the uh, Night Owl says is, if your power is just to undestroy things that your partner destroys how about you both just stop how about you both leave and like it's completely yeah. legitimate what they say is if your power is to fix cat noir's mistakes which is <laughs> the <laughs> like it, it it makes adrian feel horrible so they try to take the miraculous and obviously they're like well okay you can't have are miraculous yeah. for a number of reasons. Yeah, I was but, like, um, I was like hoping like, at that part for a scene where the the French superheroes have to explain to the American superheroes the laundry list of rules about how their powers work. The Americans could just turn them yeah. on and off, and I was like, okay, so um, first of all, I have to feed this flying rat, and then once she's fed, she can transform me. There's like there's like a clock. I can do this one. I can use my powers once, and then there's a clock after that, and I can undo some things but not other things. And then, oh, also, when I transform, I need, like, ten minutes to do some kicks. I gotta do some fancy kicks. Um, and then... <laughs> this is all the rules. Like, I, I can't just take them off. I'm sorry. And also, like, yeah, like, they can't know each other's identity, which does come up in the next scene. 
where they hide in the American sewer system, which gross, but <laughs> oh yeah, the American sewer system. Uh, they not hide that in the nice. sewer system and have a yeah, they have they have a big fight, which I love. Um, I think it was necessary, uh, especially after everything that happened. Oh, be- where they see the consequences of Adrian's actions yeah, they- in real time on live television. Yeah, they they fully <laughs> intend to. Okay, let's suit up. Let's uh, use our their new powers we have. Let's fly back to Paris. Let's fight that other villain. Let's fix everything. But they are too late. The villain in Paris was actually in a muck made by Natalie. I think specifically the idea was to distract Ladybug and Cat Noir, so they didn't know what was happening in New York. Of course, Hawkmoth doesn't know they're already in New York. And so once yeah. the villain is gone, Marinette explains this is how her power works. Like, the Lucky Charm is a spell that she casts on one particular person, and she can undo the damage done by that person. Uh, once that muck is gone, she can't do that anymore. She can't fix something that happened in the past if there's no person to defeat. Yeah, like, she cannot fix the mistakes of a person who does not exist, essentially. Yeah, it's like, she, there's, no way, there's no way to fight this person. This person doesn't exist anymore. We're, we're done. But the damage they did was very real. Paris, so the streets of Paris have been destroyed. Paris, their, real yeah. damage has been done. And this hits Adrian yeah. like hard. And I do. I want to give credit. <laughs> this is. I want to give credit. Like she is mad at him initially when they're fighting in the museum because what he did was irresponsible. Once they're they've actually like settled into the tragedy of it, she is just heartbroken. She is sad. She is not like mm-hmm. how could you do this? She is just like uh, caught up in her own sadness, and she's not attacking him. And I I liked that. The fact that he's he's mm-hmm. the one turning the eye inward and realizing that he messed yeah. up. I think that it's because she also, like, she can see, like, the hurt on his face, too. Like, she knows that he knows that, like, he really messed up. Uh, It's just that she is having to explain to him the extent to which he messed up because she can't fix it. Which is awful. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I loved it. I think, I thought that was a, that was probably, that was one of the stronger moments in this entire special was this uh, fight but not fight that they had in the sewer where it concludes with Adrian deciding that he is not worthy to be Cat Noir anymore. He leaves her the, uh, miraculous, he leaves her his miraculous and runs away. And she, I mean, she covers her eyes so she can't see that it's Adrian because they're not supposed to know each other's identity, but she is also then even heartbroken even more because she says that she doesn't know how to be Ladybug without Cat Noir. Like she can't imagine it because they are such a, good team together which is really sad it's a great it's and it it's a kind it's it's a kind of drama based around the fact that they don't know their each other's secret identities that has nothing to do Mm -hmm. with the love square and that's so great that's why it hits so hard it's because i'm not like annoyed by this convoluted romance going on this is strictly within the rules of the world and like the rules of their own magical powers this is something that is completely uh, feasible in this universe and has absolutely nothing to do with the romance stuff that was going on in the first half of the special, especially, because this is, like, where the plot starts to kick off, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, actual character development for Adrian? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted this the entire time! Mm. Uh, after he gives up his miraculous and plague, uh, the Marionette has, and Adrian both have to walk back to the hotel alone in the rain uncanny valley 
and Sparrow have to now confront the adult superheroes who are their parents, um, who uh, are, you know, very mad at them for not calling them when this happened. And of course, Uncanny Valley almost died because of it. Uncanny Valley says something like, uh, but mother, you always taught me the only thing necessary for good to triumph over evil is for good people to do nothing. Uh, and I want to know how, why Uncanny Valley thinks that because she's referring to this thing she did where she, like, met, interfered with Marionette and Adrian's relationship there. And I want to know how she thinks that is evil. Like, she thinks it's evil that these two aren't kissing. This is, <laughs> un- like, uncanny. Like, this is- you want in a romantic relationship? You're going to jail. You're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, Majestica and... Dark Owl, Night Owl. Majestica and Night Owl are now in their civilian outfits, so they're just moms now. And uh, I do want to say that I do not love their civilian designs. <laughs> um, particularly... They're kind of ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Ma- Majestica, Majestica is like... She's wearing this like green blouse with these this paisley design on it. And it's the worst. And she's got on a clunky necklace, <laughs> these huge sunglasses. It, it... Listen, lesbians have better taste in fashion. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. This is, I'm, I won't stand for this representation. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, uh, yeah, her name is Olympia, Olympia Hill. And then, uh, Night... Of course yes, it is. it's very good. But then, uh, oh, and once she's standing next to, uh, like, Night Owl, who is... Hold on. I will have the name in a moment. No. It's here. Yes. Yes. Okay. Barbara. So, they're Olympia and Barbara. And I don't like the fact, first of all, that they have similar (laughs) haircuts. They have, like... They have, like, uh, Karen haircuts. Yeah. Great. But these two are wearing these almost identical haircuts with these almost identical, like... they, They just... They look too similar. Like, they have similar profiles, and, not profiles, I guess silhouettes, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's just, the differences are just tiny. Like, uh, Night Owl, she has on, like, this eyeliner motif that I guess is supposed to be, like, Sparrow's eyebrow thing. It's supposed to evoke the, the mask and the owl thing, but I don't love it. I like her outfit. I do like Barbara's outfit. Barbara's outfit, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, is some, uh, that, that is something <laughs> I would wear. Um... But uh, I, I don't know, watching them stand next to each other, it was, this is actually, like, I don't know if I should get into this. This is one of my pet peeves in television when, like, TV shows with predominantly, like, straight creators and try to represent what they see as a lesbian couple. And it's two women who look almost yeah. identical. Usually two blonde women. <laughs> and, so. and they both have that that Karen haircut, bro. Yeah. It's like, have you guys ever seen a lesbian <laughs> Like, Thomas, I'm genuinely asking, Thomas, have you ever seen a lesbian before? <laughs> and we're, we're, we're saying lesbian, but like the, the only implication that these two are in a relationship is the fact that Olympia mm-hmm. calls Barbara honey at one point, uh, and the, yeah. that's it. They, they don't kiss or hold hands or refer to each other as wives or girlfriends or anything. Uh, and also, if they are together, that makes uh, Sparrow and uh, Uncanny uh, sisters, which kind of sinks my ship. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was 
I mean, it's better than what the show's been doing up to this point, which is, like, basically, queer people are ghosts, has been the vibe up to this point. (laughs) So, uh, this is something, it's better, and it does give me hope that things could get even better in the future as the show becomes more popular and more powerful, and has, you know, uh, the more abilities to just kind of do what it wants and more freedom. I hope that it could get better, and that... Gay, gay characters can be more explicit I, and like talk about their relationships the same way the straight characters do yeah i imagine that this was sort of a testing the waters sort of deal mm-hmm. um because i know that you and i have talked about this i don't know i don't think we've ever talked about this on the show before where a lot of the issues that come into play when people are trying to put queer representation into children's media is that uh, overseas investors pull funding as soon as you do that, which is why uh, Steven Universe ended so soon after they had that groundbreaking episode with the first same-sex marriage. Because, uh, you know, there's like a, there's wedding episodes in tons of cartoons. It's a trope, essentially. But it was the first ever time that uh, an American cartoon, or I don't even know if any cartoon, probably one or two, have done this before. But in an American children's television show had a same-sex uh, couple get married on screen uh, and no- it was not treated as anything other than, you know, a good thing. Um, and immediately after, or during that production, uh, the creators have spoken out and said, yeah, the executives were behind us, but the funding was not there because our overseas investors pulled funding as soon as we decided to do that. And that's why the season ended and we got Steven Universe Future as like a sort of sequel miniseries, but uh, we couldn't do anything after that point and we knew that was coming. So we tried to wrap everything up uh, as fast as we could, which sucks. That's why I know a lot of people criticize um, American cartoons for not having as much representation as we would all like them to mm-hmm. um and they also criticize like oh what only happens in like the last five minutes like with legend of Korra, which was one of the first ever uh shows to say hey are <laughs> these these two female characters are in a relationship and they're both bisexual and at the end of the series they like you know walk off together and it's very clear that they're in a relationship and the creators have come out and said yes that was supposed to tell you that they are now in a relationship and people were like, oh, like, why did it only happen in the first, in the, like, the last 30 seconds it was confirmed? And it's like, because they literally could not do it earlier. And so I think that while that whole situation is getting better, because with things like the Owl House and stuff, where there is just straight up a, a same-sex uh, rom- uh, romantic interest for the main character, and apparently uh, the main character is going to say out loud she is bisexual, like one of the uh, actors, I think, said in an interview that that was in the script, for an upcoming thing in the next season. I did not know um, that. That's so exciting. Awesome. I know. <laughs> I'm excited. So it's like, it is getting better, uh, especially with companies like Disney, which now at least owns the distribution rights to Miraculous. I don't know who actually owns owns Miraculous, but they at least own distribution in America. When a company like Disney, who has for the most part been pretty good about representation these last couple of years, like they're making good strides generally. I'm not going to say that they're doing everything perfectly because they're not, <laughs> but they are making an effort. It's like this could be just be them testing the waters and seeing how much backlash they are going to get because, as we've established, Miraculous is a huge, huge show. It's like one of the most, if not the most popular cartoon among young girls in the world right now popular enough to warrant its own theme park apparently. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, so with things like that, it's like every single time that something like this happens, they get hundreds and if not thousands of angry phone calls and uh, letters and emails and stuff from parents who say, I don't want my kids seeing that. So if they can slip this by relatively unnoticed uh, by the adults, or at least with relatively little backlash, then maybe they could start slipping that into the, the normal show. Um, which I, again, this is like speculation, but <laughs> it seemed like something where they were trying to see how much they could get away with in that regard. Um, which might also have contributed to the fact that for some reason, one of the, one of the women who is apparently either dating or married to another woman transforms into a man, uh, despite going by like female pronouns and stuff uh yeah as a superhero and like keeps her identity secret which i don't i do i it's a very strange situation it's i don't know yeah i also thought maybe it's like oh oh gender fluid superheroes no 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 yeah i was like i was like oh whoa like that's cool but it's like no she's just gonna i guess be a female superhero now yeah (laughs) and also like it was especially it was like she was on (laughs) they're they're a superhero team that like originally just the small group of them that showed up to save the hijacked plane there were just the four of them who were there like uncanny matt maggie magic Ma- maggie i'm gonna call her maggie <laughs> <laughs> uh, shows up and uh and night owl and sparrow just the four of them they're all women uh, women and girls and but the two mm-hmm. half of them were pretending to be men and it's, it's like on why would if you're why on a team of all girl superheroes would you need to pretend to be men why (laughs) dude they are keeping they are keeping me from my from my magical girl team dream they are preventing this yes also also i want to put i want to put this in here uh in the comics where these two originally showed up uh uh, it there was the same thing. I I didn't read all of it at that point. I was disillusioned and wanted to stop reading these comics. But there's a part in they're like referred to as men. They're like he him the for the first two issues, and then in the third issue, uh, there's a there's a very extremely strange setup where like Ladybug's lucky charm gives her some discontinued bubble gum, and she can't fit the bubble gum in her mouth. Her mouth is too small. So she turns to Dark Owl. It's like, Dark Owl, you're our uh, only hope. You have to chew this bubble gum. But that means taking off the mask and revealing that she is a woman, which she did not want to do. Uh, don't read these comics. <laughs> what? How? Wait. Wh- how big is the bubble gum? I, don't, I didn't even. I couldn't even show you a picture. I, at that point, also, I was having trouble finding versions of the comics that I could read for free. I just saw like uh, little little excerpts mostly, but yeah, Bubblegum was a part of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all, and also there's a wait. You're a woman. Ah, uh, so this was, I guess, always a part Whoa, of the character. Woman superhero. What? We've never heard of that before. It's like it was the whole. It's the whole Dane premise of your TV show. Um, but um, I know. Uh, so our our two uh, our superhero moms are, uh, they're understandably angry. Yeah, I mean, listen, if I was a mom and my and I told my kid, hey, um, if you're in danger, call me. Uh, and then they didn't, and then one of them died. Yeah. <laughs> I would be pretty mad too. Yeah, that is bad. It's bad. Um, 
uh, Marionette is now walking and trying to walk back to where the class is staying with Tiki and Plague. And Plague says to her, I should have stopped him from leaving. Uh, not, I shouldn't have caused this conflict directly. I shouldn't have done what I did, which was tell him specifically not to call you when he wanted to. Like, not to... Or I told him to lie. I told him to deceive you. I told him to try to have his cake and eat it, too. I am to blame, Marionette. But he does not say that because he is a coward. <laughs> you know, the longer the longer that we watch this show for, the more I'm starting to think that I... I dislike Plague more than I dislike Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> which is a strong statement and I'm sticking yeah, to it. I don't know if I, we can hold plague to our human ethics because um you know he's he's an abstract concept given uh to physical he form. Is thousands of years yeah. old. Uh but still yeah. Uh, also, the adult superheroes get on the news and they uh, tell tell them everybody, uh, oh, hey, the supervillain is still at large. And <laughs> ooh, this this special has been in production for a, a while. And what she says is, um, everybody, it's dangerous out here. Everybody needs to stay inside, stay where they are. And uh, boy, do I have news because it turns out not even immediate danger can keep Americans inside where it is safe. I am yeah. so sorry. Not even, not even the extremely realistic uh, probability of death uh, can keep Americans inside. <laughs> yeah, un- un- yeah, unfortunately, like we've all got to clock in at the Amazon Filament Center on Monday or be publicly executed. So I think we got we got to go into yeah. work. Um, also, the president reveals that she is also a superhero. The the fake president, um, in the fake American president. By the way. I like obviously this is a fictional American president character, which is is fine for fiction. Mm-hmm. But it hadn't occurred to me before this, and I guess this is what you get when you switch perspectives from like being from about someone else's country to being about yours. Is it hadn't occurred to me that um, Chloe's dad is also a, a fictional version of a real person who exists. Like there is a mayor of Paris. Oh yeah. And I looked her up, and uh, she, she's nothing like Andre Pouchois. Well, I would hope not, because that man does not have a backbone. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, 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 bad, bad man. Uh, and but we've got our, but we've got our superhero version of the American president, who you know she's the president sometimes, but other times she like fights crime. Everybody in America has these bracelets that turn them into superheroes. Is Bezos making them? Maybe. Uh, Like, there has to be, like, an Avengers or something. Like, there has to be. Yeah, so they don't clearly talk about any kind of governing authority for superheroes. Even though they talk like they have authority, they don't mention that directly. They do say that they are part of the United Heroes, uh, which, from context, seems to be a superhero team, but it's not really explored. Also, like, some people are different. Like, Sparrow's stuff is all, te- is like, it looks like gear, you know? It's a Batman and Robin thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the costume goes on with the bracelet, but everything that she uses is, like, grappling hooks and stuff. Batman stuff. Uh, as opposed to other people yeah. who clearly have physical superpowers. Yeah, it, it sort of sets a precedent that this universe works in, like, a similar way to... DC where you know some like most people have most people who are who are superheroes have powers but then there's also just like Batman who is just rich and buff and good at throwing batterings like <laughs> there's the potential for people who have absolutely no magical abilities whatsoever to just also be superheroes provided they have the willpower and the means to do yeah. so <laughs> at, while this uh like 
press conference is happening uh, where superheroes would be like, everybody, be on a lookout for the supervillain. He's still at large. Hawk Moth has actually kidnapped the supervillain, has tied him up, and has put him in a bathtub next to a wall made out of glass where everyone in New York can see him. Yes. His master plan. His master plan. (laughs) By the way, by the way, when we got to the end of this episode, I couldn't believe that Hawk Moth's plan was what it was. I kept expecting to be like, okay, what's Hawk Moth's real plan? When will it be revealed when he actually has planned? No, this was it. He he, so he he kidnaps this American supervillain, and now he has the Miraculous, this American Miraculous, who is an eagle, who gives people the power of freedom. This Miraculous supposedly has the power to remove the obstacles that will stop you from doing the things that you want to do. It gives you more freedom. And Hawk Moth is like, ah, yes, this will help me get past the obstacle that is Ladybug Cat Noir to get to my goal, my goal being uh, reviving my comatose wife. And uh, he then takes the Miraculous and gives it to someone else. And is like, you go fight Ladybug and Cat Noir. Let, let me be clear. This man is not a, a fighter. He is a manager. Okay, <laughs> he manages other people. He does not do the work himself. He has, <laughs> he has Miraculous now, which he has a new power now, a new thing. And what he decides to do with that new power is the same thing he does with his old powers, which is just make someone powerful enough and throw them at Ladybug and Cat Noir. That's what he does. The scene after uh, Hawk Moth <laughs> gives the Miraculous to this. If you were going to give him the Miraculous, why'd you tie him up? There was no reason to tie him up in your bathtub. <laughs> you didn't need to do this. You're, you're seeding distrust in him. You're <laughs> why would someone that he is going to work for tie him up and leave him in a bathtub? It doesn't make sense. What were you doing <laughs> ten minutes previous? What was happening in this hotel room? It's <laughs> But um, after after that, you know, Hawkmoth's got his new plan, same as the old plan. And now back at the hotel, uh, Marionette and Adrian both show up at the hotel very sad at the same time. And I swear there was a moment where they locked eyes and I thought for a second that maybe, maybe it was going to click. Maybe it was finally going to click what was going on, but they, they just... God, if only. Oh, Adrian, <laughs> you've been having a sad walk through the rain, too? Hmm, what could have happened to you? <laughs> There's just so many coincidences. This is one of those things. This is, I would say that this is not making me as angry as the Valentine's Day episode will once we get to it, because that, that episode is, like, burned into my mind for how many, like, coincidences that they just brush or brush off or flat out ignore uh, happen. This one is a close second, though. <laughs> like, Cat Noir and Ladybug are both in Paris in the one week where their class is going there, and it's just their class, and he said it was a last-minute decision, but for some reason he's still there, which she knows that Adrian's coming was a last-minute decision, and this whole fight thing break- between them breaks out, and they meet up at the same point, at their lowest point, like, in the in front of uh, where they're staying, and she doesn't suspect a thing. <laughs> It's, like, a little more reasonable from Adrian's point of view because he doesn't have as much information about why Ladybug would be there. Like, he didn't know where she was going, and it wasn't a last-minute thing for her. She, like, she, like, gave him a heads-up and was like, yeah, I'm going away or whatever. But, like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, Marinette. Read the signs. I'm begging you. Yeah. Uh, 
And then, like, uh, the car, uh, a limousine, like, pulls up and Adrian's dad is like, okay, you need to come home now. Which makes sense because by the time Adrian gets home, Hawkmoth expects to be done with his villainy. And so there's no reason for Adrian to still be running around New York. He d- he doesn't want his kid to have freedom. He wants his kid to be home most of the time. Uh, in this limo, you will yes. note um, his bodyguard isn't there. <laughs> He's still in the hotel. And they left him they there. Him there. Um, and he's just in there meditating. I don't think he notices he's left behind. Uh, but uh, Adrian gets in the car, is very sad, says to Marionette, I'm sorry it had to be this way, you know, something like that. And gets in and Alia runs up to Marionette. Marionette, who has just been through a nightmare. Marionette has been through something yeah. so hard. That Alia, to her credit, is not aware yeah, of. Yeah, but, like, Alia is aware that there was a supervillain attack and that uh, Adrian and Marionette were lost for hours in the rainy streets of New York. Mm, and she... Yeah. Wa- you know what? You're right. I take it yeah, back. And, and Alia <laughs> runs up to her friend and starts screaming at Marionette to tell Adrian that she has a crush on him. Like, after he's already driven away in a car. And... <laughs> It's Alia. Oh my gosh. And Marinette's response to this is to agree and then run and after I, him. Which, hey guys, uh, she's still dating with Luca. Yeah, here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. She says something here. She says, I lost Cat Noir. I can't lose Adrian too. I almost buy an interpretation of this scene where it is just a, a teenager's projection of a horrible loss that they have just experienced and she like she's just trying to feel in control she's just trying to feel like she hasn't lost everything and she's projecting it on to like being able to chase down this car a direct thing right in front of her that she can do to maybe feel like she hasn't lost control of everything and it it felt even like the way they did it, like with the with the music and her run, running through the rain and stealing a bike again, and so like trying to chase down this car on a bike and like falling off the bike and onto the ground, like I all of that I feel like was could almost be considered good characterization for a teenager who has been through a lot and isn't going to be acting completely rational right now. However, while she's yeah. laying on the ground of New York, she does say I love you to him, which is not good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's like, yeah, I could buy that, except I don't think the writing is smart enough to know that that's what it's doing. Um. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I love you, 14-year-old boy I've known for less than a year. Also, I love that the streets of New York are just dead. There's no <laughs> one. That bike that she stole, there was no one around. It wasn't on, like, yeah. a bike rack or anything. It was just laying there. There was a helmet there, too, which she also put on, um, which I think is because uh, some yeah. studios, like, don't let you uh, show a kid, like, without a helmet riding a bike. Yeah, I think di- <laughs> so they were like, they were like, uh, okay, she also finds a helmet. <laughs> yeah, this show is, uh, like, Disney Channel airs this show, and, like, Disney, I think, does not allow you to be on a bike without a helmet. Yeah. And it's a good thing she was wearing that helmet, because she falls off the bike. Oh, yeah. It was important that she wore the helmet, or else she could have gotten seriously injured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bike safety is important. Yeah. <laughs> we don't mock bike safety on this no, show. No, bike safety is... Yeah, wear your helmets, kids. Come on. Uh, Please. We're begging mm-hmm. you. I also like that about the, uh, like, Sparrow's costume, like, Sparrow's costume, is that it does look very practical and protective. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything's covered up. That's always the worst when a superhero, like, is not protected, and it's like, well, then what's the point? 
Like, if it doesn't... <laughs> like, if it doesn't protect you from taking a blow, then, like, why are you wearing yeah. it? Why aren't you just wearing a t-shirt? And, like, <laughs> and, like Majestica's costume makes sense. Like, she's invulnerable. She can't be hurt. But her costume's, like, stylized, mm-hmm. so it clearly doesn't have to be iron right? Yeah. Like, that's cool. Public image is important. Optics are important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what happens here in... <laughs> Gave her the streets of New York being empty. Like, New York, the city that goes to bed at promptly 9 p.m. <laughs> uh, but what what happens here next is uh, the the supervillain that Hawk Moth gave the Miraculous to walks out into Times Square and says that he's turning himself in because he doesn't like that the French-American Friendship Festival was canceled because of him. He says he's doing a selfless act. Like, it's a, I, I will surrender my freedom so you can celebrate the Freedom Festival. And uh, nobody buys it for even a second. And I respect that. <laughs> nobody yeah. considers this for even they, a second. They're like, okay, this man, not only is he, uh, has he been terrorizing this entire city, but he's also an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, he's shown up with, uh, every time they've seen him now, he has had a different color scheme and new powers. So, like, they're, they're, they're hip to his deal by now. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and so now there, there are so many superheroes now. So many of the superheroes of New York have surrounded this guy to try to get him. Because there are no other supervillains. They all had time to come after this one. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> he uses the miraculous. And I actually thought that this was interesting. So he gives uses the miraculous to give them freedom from things. In the case of uh, the Majestica, the powerful, the Captain um, like. I was like Captain America. Oh, this is kind of Captain America. The uh, the Superman, Captain Marvel kind of woman. He says that she now has freedom from her fear of what her powers can do. And she immediately goes on a rampage, just like just fulfilling her curiosity, using, like blowing over buildings just to see if she can. Uh, and mm-hmm. other things like that. She like, she, she gives, do- he gives Doorman freedom from this uh philosophy that he uh spouted earlier about how he doesn't think you should use superpowers for personal gain and he immediately just starts using his powers to uh, explore the world and learn all the things that he's always wanted to learn he gives dark owl freedom from i guess her restraint uh just (laughs) so he yeah it's it's the the batman thing it's like the the morality aspect of it where it's like yeah you know, I beat guys to a pulp, but I don't kill them. Don't kill them. No. Like, <laughs> everyone deserves to, to have a chance at life or whatever. And it's, uh, I like that that manifests with uh, the owl going around. And I think the example that they used is that she, like, approaches the window of someone in, like, their apartment and is like, you haven't returned your library book. It's three weeks overdue. You're going to jail. Yes. Yes. <laughs> He says something like, these people show no restraint. Why should I throw restraint? Hey, 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 this parking ticket is overdue. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually, and he like turns all of these American superheroes into like evil superheroes. He gives them evil freedom, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, it's like, it was was kind of cool. I don't like the implication of that being used in war. Uh, to, like, 
I guess, rally troops and be like, hey, don't worry about the well-being of your family. Just die for your country, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I Um, don't know how this miraculous was supposedly used during the American Revolution. And I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about the atrocities it was probably used for in that context. (laughs) The war crimes that, (laughs) that were committed with it. They sort of show uh, in different shots all the different heroes, and uh, one of them is just lounging on a lawn yeah. chair <laughs> uh, in the middle of Times Square. Not a care in the world. Uh, I almost skipped. I almost skipped this one. The president. She is also like given. She's given freedom from a promise that she made to always help people. <laughs> and so what she does is she immediately yeah. in- initiates a-, a police state. She's like got a suitcase full of surveillance <laughs> yeah, equipment. She- she puts New York under martial law, martial law, and apparently, like, has guns just all over the city, like underground. And she like brings them up, and now there's just like AI uh, targeted, like m- small missile launchers just everywhere on every street in I New York. I thought that those were supposed to be security cameras that were surveilling people. Don't they, like, shoot at people later, though? Uh, I know there's a missile later. I didn't think that. I thought that was different. There is. There is. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hawkmoth tries to start World War Three. <laughs> oh, yeah. The scope of this special is very special. It's much larger than just <laughs> a, a couple blocks of Paris. The stakes just keep on rising, where it's like, before it was like, oh, like, Adrian, like, isn't gonna have fun. Then someone dies. Then all of Paris is devastated, like, like absolutely demolished and then Hawkmoth is like yeah if you don't listen to me I'm literally gonna start World War 3 with this nuclear launch I have nuclear weapons <laughs> I found the missiles that have been harbored uh, under every major body of water in America and I'm going to use them <laughs> oh my gosh uh, um, uh, of course, you know as, as, is, as is always the case uh, the only people not affected by this uh, is the young teenage superheroes who now need to rally. And uh, I didn't mention this earlier. Uncanny Valley, as much as I love her, does something that is a pet peeve of mine, where she will mm-hmm. talk about statistics in a way that's supposed to make her sound smart, but that demonstrates zero understanding of statistics. She says something, she has, like, yeah. we have zero probability of success unless A, B, and C. Like, you have, there is, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> How did you How calculate you ca- that, huh? You want, you, hey, you want to explain that to me? How you calculated that? What are you basing yes, this off of? Show me your... What's your margin of error for... Uh, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> if you, if you, there's a margin of error. You can't have zero. Uh, um, but, uh, she, she, however, she goes and she finds Ladybug and Cat Noir. Uh, she knows their secret identities. And she actually says something here that... Ladybug and Cat Noir's quantum masking may confuse humans, but it can't fool her. So they actually give a word to the thing that stops people from realizing their secret identities. I, okay, I am so glad that they did this, because this is one of my pet peeves, is that uh, they can't tell who each other are. And it's like, one of those things where it's it's different in things like Precure, where most of the time, the characters look completely different uh, transformed than they do when they aren't transformed. Like, uh, they'll, like, their hair color ch- will change and, and change length, and 
there's some where like literally the, the girls are like aged up to look a bit taller so that people can't recognize them. It's like here, it's literally just like an Incredibles mask. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not really sure that if I saw my best friend uh, in an Incredibles mask that I wouldn't recognize it was her immediately, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, I'm so glad that they're like, no, no, no. It's magic. Like, it is, it is a, I'm willing to accept that. I don't need to know the specifics. If you tell me, hey, this world has magic, suspend your disbelief, magic is causing people to not be able to tell each other apart when there is, uh, when they're transformed. Mm -hmm. I'm completely okay with that. I love this explanation. I don't care about the specifics. I get it. Yeah, it's cool. (laughs) The thing is, though, I, and I think, I think what it's meant to be is that, the quantum masking stops people from recognizing them when looking at them. It doesn't stop people from putting together context clues. And I, we know yeah. that's true because, of course, there are lots of other instances where people are, like, have miraculouses and you can tell who they are from context. And mm-hmm. there's even, uh, I, I guess, a bit of a spoiler. There is a moment in, uh, like, season three where Marionette's identity is almost revealed by that, by context clues, and it's very narrowly missed. So it is possible for people to put it together. The quantum masking doesn't stop people from just using their brains. It is purely a visual Mm -hmm. thing, which is completely fine. Like, honestly, like, I'll roll with it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just so glad that they actually addressed it, because that is one of my pet peeves in in Magical Girl shows, um, is when a character looks exactly the same in and out of costume and nobody can tell it's them and there isn't any discussion about why. Yeah. Um, the, so what Uncanny Valley does here is she kind of pulls a much ado about nothing with Marinette and Adrian where they're both, they're both like, well, I, I'm not going to, uh, like fight supervillains unless he fights supervillains. So she goes to Adrian and is like, <laughs> no, it, no, I'm not going to fight supervillains without Ladybug. Ladybug's not going to do it without you. And like plays a recording of her that she didn't know she was taking of her saying she needs Cat Noir. And it, you know, it makes him realize, like, oh, maybe maybe I do need to be, still be Cat Noir. I'm not explaining it right. It's a very emotional moment. It's, yeah, the, the things that, that Ladybug said, it's, it's, Uncanny confronts Marinette and says, please help us, like, we need you to get the Akuma. And Marinette is, is her confidence is swaying, and she says, I don't know how to be Ladybug without Cat Noir. And then, then Uncanny's like, okay, hold on. And she flies up into the air and, I don't know, rips a hole in the plane or something that he's in. <laughs> I don't know how she got inside. <laughs> <laughs> but she like rips a hole in a pl- in the plane, I guess, and is like, "Hey, Cat Noir, um, please come back." I also love that he like does not even mention that somehow she knows his identity. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, "Yeah, I can't do that. My mistakes are unforgivable." She play he pl- she plays the recording of Marinette saying that, and he's like, "Oh, okay." I don't like that. That uncanny says your lady is waiting. <laughs> not great. Um, I understand why because you know, milady, which also. I hate that Cat Noir calls her I, that because, like, I associate it with like the neckbeard. I know, meme. and like, I get that she's a lady. She's a ladybug, so it's clever. But like, the the contemporary connotations of guys who talk like that is, are too negative. Um, yeah. She she also in the scene says to air is human apparently, which I thought was actually genuinely funny. <laughs> yeah. It's the apparently that does it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's not sure. Yeah. She's like, well, mm-hmm. maybe there's a flawless human. Yeah. Who knows? There's a learning curve. Oh. Also, did you notice that the second time Cat Noir transforms, the music is different? 
Yeah, it's like an orchestral version of his transformation theme. And it's really yeah. good. <laughs> the music in this whole special is so good. I want to get the soundtrack. Do you think they'll release it? I don't know. They haven't re- they, I don't as far as I know, they have not released any of the soundtrack officially. Hmm. Um which I found some like people who have uh, almost completely like I don't know how listen, I don't know anything about audio. I admit on this podcast I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how people like take uh, voices and sound effects out of music as effectively as they do, but there are a few people online who have figured out how to do it extremely well and have posted like transformation themes and stuff on YouTube that were not officially released. Uh, so I hope that one day, fingers crossed, they release the Miraculous Ladybug uh, soundtrack, not just for this, but also just for the TV show, because I think that the music in the TV show is pretty good also. Mm, yeah. All the transformation themes are great. Uh, I like that all the background music has the, or not all of it, but most of it has like the background motif of the uh, theme song and stuff. Cat Noir, Cat Noir does his cheese transformation again. Yeah, yeah. He's got, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what that means. I'm not going to <laughs> I, I look forward to figuring out what the hell is going on later. <laughs> uh, and they, they go and they they find Ladybug, they find Sparrow, everybody's together now. Hawkmoth reveals his grand plan, which I guess is to blackmail Ladybug and Cat Noir by declaring a world war because uh, America's got missiles, he's got them now. Uh, and he's like, I, I gotta say... um. Uh, if Hawkmoth wants a world war to be declared uh, because of a, nu- a nuclear strike by America, then maybe he shouldn't be on television right now explaining that he, as a supervillain, has this evil plan to frame America for nuclear war. Yeah, well, yeah he, like, projected himself all over Times Square. And he's like, people are gonna find out, dude. They're gonna know that it was you and not America, like the the entity America, like, like they're gonna know that the president didn't do this of her own free will. She was being like psychically manipulated. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> dude, you're you're clearly a French dude. We're all gonna be able to tell when you're on Snapchat tomorrow morning. He's like making this announcement in French. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're all speaking English. Everybody's like, uh, I don't speak French because I live in New York. <laughs> well, maybe, well, hold on. New York is pretty close to. I don't know how many. Uh, listen, I'm I'm gonna be real. I don't know the demographics for for how many people speak French in New York. I know a lot of people speak Spanish in New well, York, but uh, well, I don't know how, how common it is for people to go up to to uh, Eastern Canada just make the trip yeah. up there. Well, um, I do I do know that um, for in France, like English is taught as second language in schools uh, pr- pretty often. Uh, so yeah, I think that. Um, all of these French kids are supposed to be sp- actually speaking English because, like, it, like narratively speaking mm-hmm. English. Yeah, I, I almost said, like, out loud, like, e- like you know how they teach Spanish at schools here? But then I was like, I feel like French people probably know English better than uh, most people who take a- yeah. a- American public school Spanish classes speak Spanish. I remember, like, being a kid and watching Wizards of Waverly Place and finding out that, was her name Alex, the main character? I haven't watched that show in, like, a yeah, decade now. But the main character, um, like, I remember there was, like, a comment made, like, oh, you've been taking Spanish since, like, first grade. And I got jealous. I was like, I want to be taking Spanish as a, as a second grader. Like, what the hell? I had to wait until high, I have to wait until high school to learn a second language. And then it didn't teach me anything. Yeah. Not that my teacher was bad. Miss was an amazing, amazing oh, teacher. Yeah. Uh, but... Mm-hmm. 
wonderful woman. I just could not retain it because it was not, like, continued past that point. Yeah. Sorry, I was just thinking for a second whether or not I should bleep out his name when I edit this. Oh, yeah. I should probably say, like, my my Spanish teacher was awesome, but the the the, uh, the continued education was non-existent. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in order to defeat Hawk Moth's nuclear war that he's totally gonna start, definitely, um, they, uh, oh, actually, there's a scene where Sparrow has to, like, fight her mom, which is kind of cool, because her mom's, like, trying to throw people in jail for overdue library books. And also, there was another, was like, you, you, you didn't separate your recyclables. Jail! Um, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, they, uh, has to fight her. And it, it's a cool moment, because, like, uh, you know, Dark Owl or Night Owl. I'm never gonna... Uh, owl. Barbara. So Barbara is... Barbara's <laughs> very strict and clearly, like, doesn't trust Sparrow as much as she feels she should be trusted. And so having her fight her mom because, like, you know, she's doing something definitely wrong is a, is, is cool. It's a cool moment of her, like, you know, I, she's not a child anymore. She is, but, you know, you know, yeah. the, you get the idea. She is, but she's matured a bit. Yeah, and so... They, they decide that in order to get to the Statue of Liberty, where this final fight has to happen, because of course it does, um, they decide to psychologically manipulate Doorman in a way that takes several steps <laughs> and a lot of setting up. Um, they, 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 like, I don't, I don't want to explain point by point what happens. They, they basically... I mean, like, what were they supposed to do? The Lucky Charm sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, also, before the Lucky Charm, uh, Cat Noir does make it down, and and Ladybug and Cat Noir hug it out and say, hey, like, sorry, don't ever do that again. Yeah, don't, <laughs> like, don't ever do it again. It's a very sweet moment, but it's it's it goes by very quick, and then immediately they're like, yeah, we have to stop this guy, save the mushy stuff for later. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, she brings out her Lucky Charm, and Uncanny Valley is actually the person to do the Cat Noir thing this time. Like, what, what are we going to do with that? This line was tolerable because it seemed self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> If if Cat Noir had said that after that fight, I would have decked him in the jaw <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you don't get to you don't get to quip around with me, dude. You just left me to die. <laughs> uh yeah. Oof. Uh, also, there doesn't appear to be like, did you notice in the scene where Uncanny Valley talks to Cat Noir and talks him into like being a superhero again? They didn't seem at all weird about the fact that he killed her. Yeah, she wasn't like, oh, like, don't worry about me, boy. Like, they didn't even mention it. It wasn't like, he didn't even say, I killed you, or I hurt you, or whatever. Like, whatever the, the I guess, child-safe uh, version of that is for TV. Um, he just says, my mistakes are unforgivable. <laughs> yeah, they a couple times talk about it in terms of, you could you would have been permanently deactivated. It's a, it's a theme throughout the show that they are coming closer and closer and closer to f- actually having Cat Noir use his cataclysm on a person. Yeah, because I know that they mention it in another episode, um, where he like gets akumatized or something, or like you know controlled by an akumatized person or something, and he's like, I wonder what would happen if I used this on someone, and I was like, whoa, dude. Hold yes, on. There is, there is also an episode where somebody makes an illusion of Cat Noir using it on a person and what would happen then. But that person doesn't actually know what would happen. This is just an illusion of their guess. And now there's this episode where it mm-hmm. happens, but she's an android, so who knows what would have happened if it was a person. Yeah. He, he does clarify, though. He's like, or one of them does during that fight scene in the sewer, that if she had not been an 
android, it would have, like, they would not have been able to reverse it. Which implies that Ladybug cannot bring people back well, from the uh, dead. Well, I know that they, <laughs> so unfortunately, I know that they said that. I don't think that's correct. There's another episode where she pretty much does do that. All right, well, guess my point is invalid. No, like, I, here's the thing. They, they totally, <laughs> no, it's, it's they totally said that, and absolutely that's what I think they were saying. I don't think it's yeah. correct. Um, that being said, I, uh, man, they just keep dancing around it, getting closer and closer. It's like they're testing out the mm-hmm. sensors. <laughs> hey, Disney, how much are you going to let us get away with before we actually murder someone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they take advantage of Doorman, and I, I have to do more research. Again, I feel like if I lived in New York or knew anyone who cur- was currently living in New York, um, oh, I guess I do. I wonder if I could, yeah. We're not close enough. I can't just DM. Stop everything. Stop the podcast and text them I don't them right think now. I can. Uh, we're... Text them right now. I'm sure that they will respond because it's, what time is it? It's 10 p.m. Yeah. here, so it's it's 12. It's 12 in the morning. There. Yeah. It's midnight. Uh, we're, we're not that. <laughs> I'm sure they'll respond I just realized that, like, I think I knew some people in high school who, like, actually go to NYU now, but I don't think they're there now, probably, because of pandemic stuff. Yeah. yeah and so I, I, and also, you know, I don't think... I don't think I'm close enough to anyone at New York to be like, hey. To just randomly pop in, like, hey, person I haven't talked to in a yeah, year. Yeah, hey, uh, it's. <laughs> you want to give me some fun facts? It's about 10 New o'clock York? at night. Is that. But, uh, weird question. Um, Do you happen to know if there is a secret safe in the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty filled with artifacts and no one knows what it is? <laughs> Honestly, if, if someone that I have not talked to in a year texted me that, I would be like, all right, I don't know what's going on, but I am intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So I don't know if this setup for how they got into the sta- the Statue of Liberty is a real thing. But they get in there, they fight the bad guys, they take the Eagle Miraculous from him, and they give it to uh, e- to Sparrow, who becomes Eagle, I guess. Um, and she gets you know a fancy transformation now because she gets, she's fancy now, um, <laughs> and. Uh, honestly, I kind of liked the old Sparrow costume better than the the uh, eagle costume. Yeah. Uh, and again, like not not a fan of the eagle costume. Yeah, but, having this like, like super patriotic uh, like motif on her was a little uncomfortable. It's like, oh gee, yeah. like I get that it's not made by Americans. Like this is a French cartoon, but so it's a caricature of Americans. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she and she uses the miraculous to free the superheroes. The superheroes are now the adult superheroes can fight again. And uh, they stop the missile, and uh, uh, oh, act, uh, they it's all very like down to the last second, though. Because uh, Hawk, there's mm. a moment where Hawk Moth is like standing in his hotel room, and the timer's counting down, and the missile is gonna fire, and he says to himself, They can't say I didn't warn them. Like, he f- does still fully intend <laughs> to fire this missile, despite the fact that it doesn't it hasn't gotten him the miraculouses it doesn't i still don't know what his plan was here yeah this like moment is so bizarre because it hawkmoth like listen hawkmoth is a supervillain you know but most of his crimes are specifically against ladybug and cat noir it's like specifically to get them this is literally him saying, I do not care about any human life except for my wife, I guess. <laughs> like, Dude, your wife's not going to be okay. His, his moral compass, it skews his moral compass so far to, like, evil that I don't know if he will, like, I, 
I don't know if Hawk Moth will ever be quote unquote redeemed in like the traditional sense, but obviously they're going to have to deal with the fact that it's Adrian's dad and obviously Adrian doesn't want to kill his dad or whatever or lock him up forever. But like, I don't think I'm ever going to like this guy after this. <laughs> Hawk Moth is a guy who has like a, what could be a very like tragic kind of like very relatable villain motivation yeah. but like that's uh, what's the point of that you know if he's just gonna be war crimes mcgee what's the point of him having a relatable backstory that's the thing a lot of writers i see do this where they try to make a villain very sympathetic in some regards like you know hawk moth loving his wife so much and that being his entire motivation is to get his wife back but then have them do things like this, where he's like, yeah, I'm okay with genocide. <laughs> like, like you can't just, like, eradicate, like, use a nuclear missile to, like, eradicate an area of land and say, yeah, but, like, I was justified. And, like, like, well, <laughs> like you can't just yeah. do that. I mean, let, let's be fair. Like, maybe the intention in the writing isn't to couch Hawk Moth's war crimes by saying that he has a sympathetic motivation. Maybe it's about the realism mm -hmm. of, hey, really, truly bad people also have all the same feelings as you and will have similar experiences to you and have yeah. people they love and things they want that aren't all war crimes. And that, you know, that doesn't make them not also... <laughs> bad people it makes them people uh, which everybody is and it's not it's not part mm -hmm. of like justifying saying that they're justifying what they're doing it's just part of writing any character um so i, I guess it's gonna turn you know we're just gonna have to wait and see how hawk moth turns out in the end if at the end of the series it, he's like at a picnic with everyone else like i'm sure i'm sorry for my war crimes gain or if he's or if he's on a... How wild would it be if he's, like, not even the final villain, like, halfway through the story? In, like, season <laughs> six of 12, he just becomes a good guy. <laughs> and there's a bigger, badder villain for them to fight. Yeah. Or, like, no, he... There's a bigger, badder villain for them to fight, but Hawk Moth still occasionally will akumatize Mr. Pigeon, and they also have to deal with that. <laughs> he's just a guy they have to deal with now, and they're like, oh, this guy. And he keeps showing up. <laughs> uh, Hawk Moth's in the basement again. Oh, not again. <laughs> uh, so uh, they they stop the missile. They save the world, and um, uh, there's a there's a moment between uh, Sparrow and her mom, uh, where mom's like, "It's you've really grown. You've really grown up, and you know you can keep that miraculous. You're you're worthy." And uh, you, maybe it's time for us to stop pretending that we're immortal men and to let the world know <laughs> yeah, this extremely strange explanation that they have for why they uh present as male uh as as heroes is that apparently they are trying to convince everyone that they're the same original sparrow and owl which is the funniest thing on earth mm -hmm. <laughs> that they think that people believe that they're the same ones because they just have, like, similar costumes. The costumes aren't even the same. Mm -hmm. It's, like, the same thing. It's, like, there's... It's another Batman-Robin thing where it's, like, there's been multiple Robins. Like, I don't know. Are we on, like, three or four now? I forget. But it's, like... <laughs> it's a mantle. It's not, like... Uh, it's a mantle held by young men with dark... With, like, dark hair. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> so it's, like... <laughs> um... It's just so funny to me, though, that they're like, yeah, we're just going to cover our entire bodies and convince everyone that we're men just so that they don't question us. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I did, uh, I did kind of like this one moment. And I know I've said that, like, you know, I'm not down for queer subtext. I want front text. I want, you know, treat the gay mm-hmm. characters the same way you do the straight characters. Let them kiss and hold hands and be like, this is who I'm in a relationship with. Please. Yeah. Thomas, we are How- begging you. Please. However, <laughs> I did like this one little subtle moment where when they're talking about revealing their identities, uh, Night Owl says, maybe it's time to start living as we truly are or something like that and it's like majestica like comes over and puts a hand on her shoulder and they share this look and it it i it spoke yeah. to me a little bit oh man you know i i love like <laughs> dude i live and die for openly queer characters in media but queer coding still gets yeah. me bro <laughs> it still gets me uh and uh also, there's also a line here where she's like, she's talking to her daughter. It's like, my little sparrow has become an eagle. No, sparrows, no. <laughs> sparrows are not baby eagles. <laughs> Those are two different birds. <laughs> That's not how that works, Mom. Are you yeah. okay? <laughs> Did you get a concussion in that fight? <laughs> yeah, Hawkmoth, after realizing that his plan fails, uh, his terrible, terrible plan. He's like walks backwards away from the window, smiling evilly, as though he's accomplished something. <laughs> god, oh my gosh, what does this man like do? <laughs> he just like messes with people. He doesn't do anything. No. He's 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 gotten close to stealing the miraculous like what like two times, maybe three, if we're being generous, probably. Like, over the entire course of the show, and every single time he treats it as though it's not that big of a setback, and it's like, bro, you have not won a single time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man, as, ugh. It, 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 was the, it was the smile that got to me, like, mm, this was part of the plan. <laughs> what plan? And also the fact that... All according to And the plan. fact that he walks... <laughs> he doesn't turn around. He walks straight backwards from the window into the hotel room. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh. Hawkmoth does believe in camp, uh, so I do respect that part of him, but <laughs> <laughs> this man needs to figure out how to be a better supervillain. Uh, oh, wow, that's weird. Okay, I'm getting getting yeah, a text yeah. from a friend at like 10pm, like who I haven't talked to in a while. <laughs> it's weirdly enough, it's- it's. Oh my god, dude, the people from New York are contacting you. <laughs> it's not- unfortunately it's not the friend from New York, that would have been awesome. <laughs> they're not from New York. They just they just texted you to tell you some fun New York trivia they found online. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, they're they're watching the the news at the end, and we learn that uh, Paris is being rebuilt after the supervillain attack. And everyone's super chill with the fact that Ladybug and Cat Noir didn't come save them. It's totally fine. They completely understand. Yeah, they like find out that that Cat Noir and Ladybug are both in Paris. Oh my god, I did it again. <laughs> they're not in Paris, they're in New York. <laughs> they're both in New York, and the announcer is like, they were like, well, they weren't here to save us, and the probably dozens of people who were uh, injured and lost their lives, but with good reason. They were helping our uh, our allies in New York. And it's like, okay, but like they should have been there, right? Like, <laughs> like, by this point, people know that Ladybug and Cat Noir are... Uh, the staples of Paris, but that other people can be granted power, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's a, that's a reasonable assumption to make from the information that just a general citizen would have. Mm-hmm. I would be upset that nobody else came to save the day. Oh, yeah. I w- <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that after this event, uh, 
hashtag Rena Rouge is, is over party was trending on Miraculous Ladybug's uh, version of Twitter. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I honestly, I, I, I'm wondering if maybe when we do get back to Paris, if there's going to be an, uh, if we're going to have to deal with the PR fallout of the fact that people undoubtedly will have lost a little bit of faith in Paris's heroes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope so. I love it when uh, movies and specials and stuff have an actual effect on the world of the show that they uh, have sort of wedged themselves between two seasons of. Like, that's one of the things that I absolutely loved about the My Little Pony movie, which is a very good movie on its own, but then they come back to the show, and they're like, oh yeah, all these, like, people, because it was like, you know, one of those road trip shows, basically, where you, like, visit all these different places or whatever, and they meet all these people, and it's like, those people that were in the movie are now, like, in the show and have you know, like they they're like going on like diplomatic missions for like political alliances and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. I forgot that when you encounter like a new country you have to work out whether or not you're gonna go to war with them. <laughs> cool. Uh, Adrian, you know, has to be returned to the plane that's going away from New York. He can't hang out with the rest of his friends even though he just saved the world. They like make him a banner though because he's they're great. Adrian's friends are great. Adrian is so lucky that his first... Oh my god, Adrian is the yeah. luckiest person alive when it comes to <laughs> Yeah, friends. Adrian, like, stepped out into the world of teen friendship super late, and by sheer coincidence, met the nicest people in Paris and Chloe. It's... <laughs> yeah, I guess Chloe was his first experience with friendship, but then as soon as he started, like, really socializing at school, by sheer coincidence, everyone at school was just super cool and super nice. Uh, and uh, the banner, it says, uh, cuckoo, which is, it just means hi means hi adrian <laughs> uh there's a roundup at the end where we uh revisit such su- such yeah. plot points as miss mendelev's uh insecurities uh sabrina's crush gorilla man standing is waiting in the hotel all of the- those things that were so super important throughout the special yeah and they also mentioned chloe who i think had a total of maybe two minutes of screen time at most in this entire thing. They come back to her at the end, who we haven't seen her for probably 30 minutes at this point. (laughs) And she's smiling up at the fireworks after complaining earlier that she didn't want to come to New York. Sabrina says, oh, I'm so glad that you're having a good time, Chloe. And she immediately, like, turns her face into a skull. She's like, I'm not having a good time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I forget what her excuse is that she comes up with, but it's stupid. (laughs) She's like, I'm not having a good time. You're making this up. I I guess I have to mention this, because I know other people will be thinking it. Uh, I think the implication of why Chloe doesn't want to go to New York, besides the fact that I feel like she might kind of be at odds with the class now since the events at, of, at the end of season three, mm-hmm. but uh, also, like, her, like, distant mom lived in New York for a long time, and, like, she tried to go to New York yeah. with her mom, but her mom wouldn't bring her, and, like, there's all this emotional baggage there. I get that that's the implication. I, it doesn't justify being a monster to everyone all the time. <laughs> Yeah, just Sabrina's really just trying to have fun and be nice. Oh, poor Sabrina. <laughs> she really does deserve the she best. She does, huh? but, you know, our, our little croissants are ready to fly on back to Croissantville. That's Paris. Um, and That's what it's called now. Update the history books, yep. guys. Uh, but our, mirac- our miraculous Americans are still in America, and they're about to fight some people with fans 
because they because they got out of a car. The Uncanny Valley and I guess Eagle now are watching these guys get out of a car and like talk to each other and like that's suspicious enough to warrant uh, an ass kicking in America. And um, <laughs> when when uh, another miraculous box guardian shows up, is like, hey, we you need to give back the miraculous. Like we lost it for a long time, but now that it's back, we need it back. And she's like, wait, alternate idea. Why don't we make a team of superheroes here in America? New generation of heroes, let's do it. And that's where the episode ends with that guy like thinking about it and smiling like, hmm, maybe. And I just want to say, America is chock-a-blocka full of superheroes. We don't need a new generation of superheroes. Yeah, we don't need a new generation, guys. We, listen, they have it handled. I had kind of assumed that this was a potential... Uh, I want to say backdoor pilot, but there's nothing backdoor about it. It's very on the nose um, for a, a another series, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, I honestly would probably watch. I mean, I, I'm into, the, like I said, I'm into these yeah. American characters way more than I'm into these French characters. Hoping that they don't do this with every single uh, team. I like. I'm, I don't mean, like, make a special, like, by all means, make a special about every miraculous team there's only so many right mm-hmm. <laughs> but i mean like i hope that if this if this team does get a spin off that they don't do that for like every single uh team of miraculous holders i guess because that's just too much <laughs> i just like like two or three at tops guys mm-hmm. it's going to be you know what this is going to be it's going to be one of those series where it like never ends <laughs> where in in 20 years it'll still be on tv but it's it's a reboot of a reboot of a remake of a different miraculous team that was not the original <laughs> uh that that's this is what's gonna happen that's exactly like what what they were talking about with uh with night owl and sparrow like they just have to keep pretending they're the original series but they keep getting rebooted mm-hmm. exactly that's the end but you know what they can't pound yeah, that's it the thing. because they're adrian's in a plane <laughs> And Marinette's still in New York. This is the never-ending episode of Spots On, because there's no way we can end it, because we can't yes. pound. We can't pound. Um, so, hey guys, welcome to your official purgatory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're so glad to have you here until the end of time, uh, because we are all stuck here together, and there's nothing that any of us can do to get out, because we cannot pound it. <laughs> so uh i guess we better get started on uh all eternity i guess I'm, i mean we can talk about chloe for a little bit i feel like i could go on about that for a while <laughs> let's talk about why chloe is problematic yeah. <laughs> uh, uh okay uh thing number one every, everything she does and says every single thing she has ever done and said yes um, every single action there is not a single good thing she has ever done <laughs> well okay now i feel like <laughs> she's done some good things there were okay now that that discussion is over let's talk about the the possible redeeming uh the possible redemption arc of, of chloe okay all right <laughs> let me get you some ideas um okay um you know what since there might be a new american miraculous series if this uh, special you know was any indication if it succeeds as a backdoor pilot let's come up right now mm-hmm. with what the american version of pound it is going to be we're americans we can do it <laughs> Like <laughs> when, whenever I see someone do a fist pump, this is this is a real actual story from my okay. life. Um, <laughs> all I can think of is the word bro fist because uh, one of our I think you I think you knew him in, in high school. One of our mutual friends in high school, 
um, would only call fist bumps bro fists, even though that's not actually what they're called. I think he just watched PewDiePie when he was 10 and then never learned another word for it. <laughs> so I don't want to call it that, uh, but that's all I can think of, and I don't know how useful I'm going to be to the development of this new catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, well... I guess pound it is kind of the American version because it's pound it is the English dub of what they actually say, oh. which is good game. So like, what would you, I guess. Oh dude, good game, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good, good game. game. We're just going to actually say good game. <laughs> GG. I guess we say, people say, I hear people say GG a lot. Did that become a thing? Yeah. GG. <laughs> Gucci game. Gucci game. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's it. it. Gucci, Gucci game. game. Okay. Are you ready, Ava? Let's try to, let's try to sync this as much as we can. Let's try to uh-huh. sync it. One, two, two three. three. Gucci, Gucci game. game. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but it'll, it'll work. work. I'll get it in the edit. We did it. <laughs> America is saved. These little town blues a brand new start of it in old New York and uh, if I can make it there I'm gonna make it anywhere it's up to you New York